Amen. If you turn your Bibles, please, to the book of 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel uh, chapter 12 uh, this morning. I don't know about you, but I was a person, I really wasn't a big, uh, wasn't a big Disney fan uh, growing up. You know, I didn't really care too much for the movies. I really wasn't a big uh, Lion King person, and I really wasn't, uh, I wasn't like uh, Larry and uh, and uh, Brother Jerry back there loving all like the Disney princesses, and they all had their favorite Disney princesses that that uh, that they loved. And I really never really had an aspiration in my life of going to uh, to uh, to Disney World. Everybody talked about it's the happiest place on earth and uh, how great of a thing it was, but it, it never really seemed to uh, appeal to me. But uh, a couple of years ago, uh, I got roped into going with. Uh, Miss Nails, uh, one of Miss Nails' grandchild, and uh, Miss Nails' uh, grandchild-in-law, and a couple of uh, Joey's uh, grandchildren, I got roped into going to spending Thanksgiving week at Disney World. And so we are in the midst of the Epcot Death March, rolling around Disney World, and we roll to this one place called uh, It's a Small World. And let me tell you, if you've never been to Disney World, what It's a Small World is like. They put you on this little train boat thing, and you sit and you go in this cave or in this little area. And all of a sudden, there's like all of these animatronics going. And all you hear is, it's a small world after all. It's a small world after all. And you go a little bit further, and then you go into a new place, and it's all like a different country. You know, you're like in Asia Asia now. It's like they're singing the same thing, but it's like, you know, in Asia, you're like, chong, cha-ching, chong, chong, chi-chong, chong, chi And then you go a little bit further, and now you're, uh, now you're in Mexico, buddy, and it's, uh, you know, Waquito Taco Bell, small world after all. And then you go to Africa, and it's the same thing. It's a small world after all. And then you go to India, and then you go to the Middle East. It's a small, and the worst thing is, is that you'll get like in between these little different worlds, and then you'll hear Africa in front of you, and you'll just hear Asia behind you, and it just mixes together in just this mass of torture, and that train just moves slow, slow. Slow. It's a small world after all. I got about three ways for it, and I looked up at heaven and said, Lord, I don't know what I did, but I promise, I promise I will never, ever, ever do it again. You see, I'm not much of a Disney World fan. I really love Six Flags. I was a real Six Flag person because they had the th- two things I had loved the most. They had Looney Tunes. You know, that's what I watched when I was a kid. I watched Looney Tunes. I wasn't worried about the Disney characters. I was worried about Looney Tunes, and that could probably tell you, explain a a lot of the ways I turned out, but I also love the roller coasters, and I used to be scared to death of roller coasters, but finally a, a friend of mine lied to me and got me on a roller coaster, and I really got to enjoy roller coaster because there's just something about that feeling of panic. You know, you climb up that big hill, that slow, slow going up that hill, and then you dive down that, that roller coaster, and there's just something that's really exhilarating, those highs and those lows, and it's just something about that. And those roller coasters are fun. But you know what? Our life, our life is really like a roller coaster, isn't it? It's filled with a lot of ups and downs. 
And we think that when we become uh, Christians, that maybe somehow that would subside. Maybe, maybe life would be less filled with those ups and downs. But what we read in Scripture is that not only does Jesus Christ promise us to give us life with those roller coasters up and down that we experience, but He promises to do what? Give us life more abundantly. And we experience even more highs and lows as we face good news and bad news, as we face troubling times and peaceful times. And so the question is this morning that we want to talk about is how can I experiencing those ups and downs that are all around me in my life, but to keep my spiritual life from doing the same thing? from being on and off, up and down, hot and cold, as we learned Wednesday night in Bible study. How can we keep out of those ups and downs as we experience those in life? How can we keep them from uh, uh, affecting our relationship with God? How can we, living a life of a roller coaster, have a steadfast heart? 1 Samuel chapter 12 teaches us about that. It teaches about what our life is like when our spiritual life is nothing but a roller coaster. But it also gives us an example of how we can experience ups and downs in life, but still have a steadfast heart. And I'm going to take the investment and I'm going to read, I'm going to have us uh, read. Um, these uh, 20-something chap- uh, verses uh, this morning. Now, I know y'all may get tired, and y'all probably figured out that I really love the Scripture, and I love reading Scripture, and I, I love uh, studying Scripture, and I love just to hear Scripture being read. So let's uh, look together at these verses, and then let's talk briefly about how God can teach us to have a steadfast heart. Reading together, 1 Samuel chapter 12, beginning with verse number 1, it says, And Samuel said to all of Israel, Behold, I have obeyed your voice in all that you have said to me and have made a king over you. And now, behold, the king walks before you, and I am old and gray, and behold, my sons are here with you. I have walked before you from my youth until this day. Here I am. Testify against me before the Lord and before his anointed. Who, uh, whose ox have I taken? Or whose donkey have I taken? Or whom... Have I defrauded? Or whom have I oppressed? Or from whom have I taken a bribe and a blind eye with it? Testify against me, and I will restore it to you. They said, You have not defrauded us, or oppressed us, or taken anything from a man's hand. And he said to them, The Lord is witness against you, and his anointed is witness this day, that you have not found anything in my hand. And they said, He is witness. And Samuel said to the people, The Lord is witness, who appointed Moses and Aaron and brought your fathers up out of the land of Egypt. Now therefore stand still, that I may plead with you before the Lord concerning all the righteous deeds of the Lord that he performed for you and for your fathers. When Jacob went into Egypt and the Egyptians oppressed them, then your fathers cried out to the Lord, and the Lord sent Moses and Aaron, who brought your fathers out of Egypt. 
and made them dwell in your in this place. But they forgot the Lord their God, and he sold them into the hand of Sistra, commander of the army of Hezar, and into the hand of the Philistines, and into the land of the king of Moab. And they fought against them, and they cried out to the Lord, and he said, We have sinned because we have forsaken the Lord, and have served the Baals and the Asheroth. But now deliver us out of his hands from our enemies, that we may serve you. And the Lord sent Jeroboam of Barak and Japheth and Samuel and delivered you out of the hands of your enemies on every side. And you lived in safety. And you saw that Meshach, that uh, Mehash, the king of the Amorites, came against you. You said to me, no, but a king shall reign over us. When the Lord your God was your king. And now behold the king from whom you have chosen. Whom you have asked. Behold the Lord has sent a king over you. If you will fear the Lord and serve him. And obey his voice. And not rebel against his commandment of the Lord. And if both of you and the king who reign over you. Will follow the Lord your God. I, it will be well. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord. But rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you and your king. Now therefore stand still and see this great thing that the Lord will do before your eyes. It is not, is it not the wheat harvest today? And I will call upon the Lord, and the Lord may send thunder and rain, and you shall know and see your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord, and asking yourself for a king. So Samuel called upon the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day, and all the people greatly feared, and the Lord, the Lord and Samuel. And all the people said to Samuel, Pray for your servants to the Lord your God, that, you, that we may not die, for we have added to all the sins this evil, to ask ourselves a king. And Samuel said to the people, Do not be afraid, for you have done all this evil. Yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all of your heart. And do not turn aside after empty things that cannot profit or deliver, for they are empty. For the Lord will not forsake his people for, the great, for, his, great name's sake, for his great name's sake, because he has pleased the Lord to make you a people after himself. Moreover, as for me... Far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. But I shall teach you. I will instruct you in the good and right way. Obey and fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all of your heart. For consider what great things he has done for you. But if you still do wickedly, you shall be swept away, both you and your king. First of all, we see the Israelites. We see the Israelites who were living a spiritual roller coaster. And beginning in verse number six of this chapter, as he assembles the people to give his farewell speech, he gives a brief history of the people of Israel. And he talks, first of all, of God's faithfulness, how he took them from a land and how he watched over the patriarchs how he called Abraham, and how he called Isaac, and how he called Jacob, and how he took Joseph 
and sent him down to Egypt, and how he protected and watched over Joseph and provided a way for all the Israelites to be saved. And then they cried out to God, and God delivered them and brought them out. And he watched over them in the wilderness, and he took care of them and said through all of this, God has been constantly faithful to you in all of the ups and downs of your history, from the great prosperity of Abraham and the patriarchs, even in a foreign land, to a land like Egypt. In the downs of your slavery, God watched over you. He guided you, he protected you, and he watched over you. But what did you do? What was the attitude of your hearts as a people? That God would do something great for you and you would draw near to him and he would work wonders and he would deliver. But then your heart would turn away. And then you would get yourself in a position. And then you would get yourself in trouble. And the Lord would send somebody to deliver you. And then he recounts the history of the judges. Remember Jeroboam, who was the name for Gideon. And remember Balak, when all of those enemies came against you because of your sin. When you called out to God, God raised someone up to come and deliver you. And now, even after God's faithfulness, and even after God's faithfulness, After your unfaithfulness, you do the unfaithfulness that as you had faced this latest adversity, you forsake God completely saying, we don't want God to save us. We don't want to do it God's way anymore, but we want a king. And like we said when we talked about this a couple of weeks ago in chapter 8, that they said we want a king just like everybody else. We want to turn away from what God and how God is working in our life. And we want a way like what the rest of the world has. And Samuel wanted to show the people and let them know what great wickedness this was. They were on the roller coaster. They would get down low and they would call out to God. God would deliver them, and they would get on fire for God. And then then things would start getting very peaceful in their life. They were enjoying that top of the mountain, and so they turned away from God. And when those enemies came, they cried out to God. Their life was a roller coaster, and life is always a roller coaster. But their walk with God was also a roller coaster. They rode the highs, and then they forgot, and then they rode the lows, and then they got fired up again. And for a lot of us as Christians, that describes our relationship with God. When things are going well in my life, we're on that top of that mountain, I'm on the top of the mountain with God. When things are down low in my life, I get down low with God. And when things get down so low, I finally call upon God, and He brings me up. When things get better, I get closer to God. When things get worse, I turn away from God. My life is always going to be a roller coaster, but my walk with God 
doesn't have to be. But that's the way they were. Hot and cold. Up and down. In their relationship with God. And so he pointed them out, this out. He wanted to point out their, not only their unfaithfulness, but he wanted to point out their wishy-washiness. He wanted to point out how, how unfaithful they were. You could count on them one day and not count them on, on, a, on another. They were for you one day and against you the next day. And he wanted to draw attention to the roller coaster of their walk with God that they were living on. And God will bring that to our attention. God will call us out. If we're not living steadfastly with God, God will open up our hearts and open up our lives to let us realize that we are not living a consistent relationship with Him. He said, I want you to show you something. Isn't it the first day of the wheat harvest? And um, He said, yeah. Well, let me show you. I'm going to show you your weakness. Uh, your wickedness. Now, the time of the wheat harvest was scheduled. So at a time where there wouldn't be much, uh, much rain or many storms, he brought the rain and he brought the storms. And it's really hard to collect a harvest when there's a tornado outside. And he wanted to do that to show them in a visible way God's anger with the way that you're living your life. And I pray that for each and every one of us, that God would show us in a very visible way if we are not living our lives for Him. That if we are in sin, that He will show us, that He will work in some way to reveal to our hearts that we are not where we need to be with God. And so, if you're living that roller coaster and God has brought it to your mind, what do you do? What do you do? He gives us, he gives us some first things to tell us to do. If we're living on that roller coaster life, what we can do when we realize it, the first thing he tells us is that we need to forget about the past because it's gone. They drew them to their unfaithfulness and what that decision mean for them asking for a king. And so they said, we have done a wrong thing. And God said, I know, and Samuel said, uh, God said through Samuel, I know you've done a wrong thing, but isn't nothing you can do about that now? What's done is done. And there's nothing that we can do about our past mistakes, can we? We have to forget about those things that are behind us and strive for what those things are before us. And we have to just come before God and asking His unmerited forgiveness for the way that we have turned away from God. When was the last time you've done that? When was the last time I did that? To just cry out to God and say, God, I knew, know what I did was wrong. I may even knew it was wrong when I did it. And God, I just come to say, I'm sorry and ask for your forgiveness. And so once you realize that you have done wrong, and once you've come to the conclusion that you are going to jump off the roller coaster, he gives us some other great instructions there. 
And um, in verse number 20, it says, And Samuel said to the people, Do not be afraid. You have done all this evil, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord. Do not serve the Lord with all your heart, and do not turn aside from the empty things that you cannot, that can neither profit nor deliver, for they are empty. Nothing that you can do about the past, but... Just know this, that you have done wickedness, but God gives you forgiveness for what you've done. But all you can really do is strive to live your life from this day forward differently. That you commit to love the Lord your God with all of your heart. And we've learned from several times in several scriptures that we've read it. And the Lord is through his scripture pounded in our, in our head that that is the only way to love God. That is the only love that God accepts in our hearts and our lives. That we love him with all of our heart and our mind and our soul and our strength. As the Lord Jesus Christ reminded us in his word this morning. So I make a commitment to love the Lord God with all my heart and do not turn aside from the left or the right. Boy, that's hard. That's hard. The roller coaster is easy, isn't it? You're up, you're down, on fire for God, not on fire for God. That's an easy thing to do. But to live a steadfast, consistent relationship with God is hard. He says, I want you to set on that road and I don't want you to vary from the left or the right or the up and down. Well, you say, well, my life is going up and down. Well, it doesn't matter in your heart, in your relationship with God, you stay on his road. You say, well, the people around me, they're up and down. Well, you don't worry about that. You stay on that road. Don't go left and right. Don't go up and down. You stay in a consistent relationship with God and do not turn. Do not turn to the empty things. There are so many empty things in this world today, isn't there? There's entertainment, there's sports, and there's a lot of empty pews in this church this morning that can be explained by people out enjoying the empty things this morning. But they can't save, they can't deliver, they can't bring you peace. They can bring you happiness for a while, but they'll never bring you joy. And most of them, they'll bring you up high, but then they'll drop you down low, won't they? Don't turn to the left or the right. Don't go to the empty things that can neither save nor deliver you, but stay on the path with God because sometimes it may not seem like it's the right way and sometimes it may seem like it is. But in our hearts, we all know that even though it may not feel like it, we know the Lord's way is the best way. And the Lord's path is the only path. It's a little narrow. It's a little rough. Sometimes people like me have to squeeze in real tight to get through the gate. But we know it's the only way that leads to life. It's the only way that leads to joy. It's the only way that really leads to true abundance. Even as life turns, let our hearts not turn. So we learn a lesson 
about living a steadfast relationship with God. And what happens when we ride that roller coaster? But how can I in my life remain steadfast when there's so many ups and downs that go on in my life? Well, Samuel, Samuel tells us a few personal things about his life and about how he was feeling at the moment. There is Samuel giving his farewell speech. And Samuel feels that sense of rejection because you can just hear the cry in his voice as he said, you know what? I have devoted my whole life to serving you and to teaching you and to caring for you and interceding for you. Even though that you were stubborn, even though that you were hard-headed, I gave my life, my entire life, from the time I was a little baby to serving you. And you have just kicked me to the curb. I'm sure we've all felt that in our life. To feel that sense of rejection. To feel like you're not wanted. Sometimes those can be the lowest lows on the roller coaster, isn't it? But how did Samuel keep a steadfast life? a steadfast heart in his roller coaster life, and especially during this deep valley. Well, we learned a couple of things about Samuel. The first thing we learned was what we just said, that he devoted his whole life to serving the Lord. It wasn't just a week. It wasn't just a day of the week. It wasn't just a year. It wasn't just a week at camp. It wasn't just a revival. It wasn't just a summer mission trip. It wasn't just a temporary high, but it was his entire life that he served the Lord. And we need to commit ourselves to a lifetime of serving the Lord. And you think about what the roles of the priest were and the way that they had set it up and the way that the Lord had set this system to work, that if you were one of the priests, you spent the first 30 years of your life 30 years of your life learning and helping. You're one of the priests, older priests, assistants, and you would study the law of the Lord, and you would study those commandments, and you would study those procedures, and you would study those traditions, and every once in a while you got to come, and you got to help one of those priests, and maybe you got to uh, carry some of the utensils, Maybe you got to help with some of the bread. Maybe you got to help mix up some of the oil. But you were in a constant state of learning. And then at the age of 30, you became a priest. That you became, or if you were a Levite, you were a Levite in your proper service. And for 20 years or so, you would serve in the temple. And your job was to teach, and your job was to educate, and your job was to do, and your job was to serve. But then when you turned 50, that time was over. But then you didn't just retire. You went into a new level of service. And now your role was to teach and to help the priests that were currently serving as well as the younger ones who are coming up and learning. And all of that experience that you had 
you would pour unto them. The law allowed you to help, and the law allowed you to assist, but it didn't allow you to do. I think that's a great example about how we as Christians should live our life. We spend a time of learning and helping. We spend a prime of life being the one that carries the weight, does the brunt of the work, and offering ourselves to service. But there comes a time in our life that most people just cut off and retire and let somebody else do it. But what the Lord would decide for us is that we spend that time with a new call, the call to assist and to teach and to help. Our life is meant to be a life filled with service to the Lord. And regardless of where you find yourself this morning, where you're one of these young ones we got here this morning, or whether you're uh, kind of up in uh, your prime, whatever prime may be now, or whether you're in the not so young, as long as the Lord has you here, he has a place for you to serve in his kingdom and in his church. And so Samuel had dedicated himself to a life of service. And second thing, he wanted to live with a clear conscience. And he said, you know, as far as I know, as far as I know, I haven't cheated anybody. I've done my best. There's nothing I can remember in my heart, in my life, that I've uh, had wronged any of you while I have been serving under you. And so he had a clear conscience. But even further than that is that he wanted to have a clear conscience to the point where he didn't just want to be proven right, but if he was wrong, he wanted to make it right. And that's a step that a lot of us don't take in our life. We'll uh, say we want to have a clear conscience, and we'll argue people up and down because we want to be right about something. But none of us will ever say in our hearts and life, you know what? If I'm wrong, I want to be proven wrong because I want to be right. And it just shows you the character of his heart. That Samuel, even though he lived his life with a clear conscience, was open to reproof. But we also see that he had a great reputation. Because they asked, he asked the people, have I defrauded anybody? Have I cheated anybody? Have I wronged anybody? And they said, no. No, you haven't. And so we see the life that he lived. But even a life so steadfast with God, staying on that straight path and serving him all his life, still had the peaks and valleys of life, and now he was in the valley, the valley of rejection. And so how did he stay on that path, even when his life and his heart, and maybe even his spirit, was in a dark valley? Listen to what he says in uh, verse 23. It's one of my favorite verses, and it says that uh, Samuel said that, uh, as for me, as for me, I vow that I will not sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you and to teach you and instruct you in the good and right way. 
I want us to notice that first phrase. Ask for me. Ask for me. And buddy, that is the key verse. That is the key word to living a steadfast life, to having a steadfast heart, even when everyone and everything around you is going up and down. When you say, ask for me, I don't care what y'all are doing. I don't care that you've rejected me. I don't care what y'all think about me. I don't care about what you think about what I'm doing. But I tell you what, I'm going to stay true to what God has called me to do. It was the spirit of Joshua when he said, you choose who you're going to serve, but as for me, I'm going to serve the Lord. He made up his mind and said, you know what? I'm not going to respond to you the way that you respond to me. I'm going to respond and interact to you in the situations and the circumstances in my life in accordance to how God has called me to do. God had given the mission to serve other people. And he says, what? Even though that you have rejected me, even though that you have put me out of that position, I still have been called by God to a ministry to pray for you and to teach you. And I will do that constantly, even if you don't like me, even if I don't have a position, even if I don't have a title. I'm going to do what the Lord has called me to do. That's what we need to do in our life. Stop interacting and reacting to the people the way that they interact with you. But do what Jesus teaches us when he teaches us to love our enemies and to treat others not how they treat us, but the way that we want to be treated and the way that we should treat others the way that he treated us, that even while we were still sinners, even when we had the dead, he loved us and forgave us. And that is the way that we treat other people. Jesus says, you know what? Even sinners do. You know what? If I got a friend who does something good for me, I'm going to do something good for them. Everybody knows that type of relationship because that's the way the world works. But I'm going to give you something new because not everybody's going to be good to you, are they? Sometimes they're going to be mean to you. But you love those people. And you recognize them as being created by God and someone that the Lord has sent for you to serve and to you to show God's love. Let's not react to people the way they react to us or the way the world tells us to react to people. But let's react to people in our situations in the way that God shows us to. And that requires of us to do a lot of things. Because if we pay attention to the world and we pay attention to Facebook, it'll tell us what the world wants us to do. And we're filled with that all the time in our life. But if we truly want to know how God would have us interact with the people around us. We must study and meditate on God's word and stay strong in the spirit and in prayer that we would have the wisdom and the vision and the heart to know that how we should answer and to respond to the people around us.
he gives us some other good clues about what we could do. It says, uh, it says this. It says only in verse number 24, it says, Only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully and with all your heart. For consider what great things, consider what great things he has done for you. I bet you in that low valley of Samuel's life, what really gave him the courage to respond in this way is because he feared the Lord and he served him faithfully. And when you fear the Lord and you serve him faithfully, you will see God work in your life. You will see him restore relationships. You'll see him bring you justice. And it gives you a whole encyclopedia for you to go back and remember, even in those valleys, to remember all the good things the Lord has done for you. I want to ask you all this morning, has the Lord done anything good for you? We see all the good that the Lord does for his people and for us in his scripture. But if I were to ask you this morning, have you seen the Lord work goodness around you? Let's meditate on those things as we face the highs and lows in life. Walking in his ways always. In a life of service. Making up our minds that regardless of what everybody else does around us, in the highs and lows in life, we stay true to him. Having a steadfast and consistent heart for him as we walk through the hills and valleys of life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for all the things that you've blessed us with. Lord, I just pray, Lord, to come to you this morning and ask ourselves, Lord, are we on the roller coaster? In our spiritual walk with you, are we hot one day, cold the next day, up one day the next day? getting close to God and then walking away and then coming back. Lord, let us repent. Let us say, Lord, I've made those mistakes in the past, but from now on, I'm going to love you with all of my heart. Or maybe in your personal life, you're facing a low. And you call upon him this morning and to remember all the great things that he's done for you and to commit your heart, and to commit your life. That I am going to remember all the good you've done for me, and I'm going to show that good to the people around me, even when they bring me low. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's stand and sing a hymn invitation. I pray the Holy Spirit will speak to you this morning.